You know what, Abby? And by the way, Joel Heikamp, Abby Miller here on the News and Views Radio Network. He's listening to us on hold. Say it to him. Say exactly what you told me. <laughs> I said he has a nice sounding voice. And even if what you're saying is making the world go to hell, um, you sound good, which is that's why you're a correspondent. Well, and he, he, you said he gives you comfort yeah. that actually somebody is, is covering it. Scott McFarland is a congressional correspondent for CBS News. He's been covering D.C. for almost 20 years, and he's good enough to come on with us. Scott, good to have you on News and Views. Now, that makes my day. My two boys, one of whom's a teenager, say they're done listening to Daddy's voice. They've heard <laughs> about enough of it. <laughs> that it. I would guess that about one in the morning, it's it hasn't given them comfort every now and then. <laughs> it's not comfort when you're getting hollered after not doing your chores. Yeah, there's that. Uh, Scott, want to talk about yesterday. A lot of news coming out of D.C. You know, you've got the ruling uh, from the district court, but most importantly, uh, let's talk and focus on the House first, their attempt at impeachment of Mayorkas. You know, the fact that they 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 took that forward and in the end were surprised. Speak to that, if you would. What a circus this was, even by congressional standards. There is this vote, this long anticipated vote, highly promoted vote to impeach the nation's Homeland Security Secretary, claiming he failed to enforce immigration law and has breached the nation's trust. They announce and stage the vote, and they don't count the votes properly beforehand and fail. That's not just a rarity in Congress. That's an embarrassment for any party to lose a vote that's that high profile on the floor. Um, there's any number of reasons for it. There were some Republican defections. There was a surprise at the vote, there was a Democrat from Texas named Al Green who'd been missing votes for the course of the day. He was hospitalized for emergency surgery. In his hospital scrubs and barefoot, he showed up at the last minute and provided the pivotal vote to kill the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. Um, these types of things don't happen terribly regularly, but it's going to add the pressure and the scrutiny on the new House Speaker. He did something you're not supposed to do as a Speaker. You lost a big vote. Well, and, and the nation saw it. I mean, the the nation really did. Give me the reaction from the Republicans afterwards. They're pretty unequivocal that they're going to try this again. They had a missing member of their own who is undergoing medical treatment. That's Steve Scalise, the majority leader, undergoing cancer treatment that has not been showing up in person. He'll be coming back soon, and they'll hold the vote again when he's here, and then they'll have the margin they need to win the vote. But that being said, there is any number of people who are grumbling that their leadership doesn't seem to know how to count votes properly. And if you can't do it on the easy stuff, where the, generally speaking, the whole party agrees and everybody's on board, how are you going to navigate the really difficult things? Like, again, trying to keep the government open, dealing with aid for Ukraine, aid for Israel, and any future prospects of doing something about the border. Because, oh, by the way, at the same hour the impeachment vote was failing, the Senate's big $118 billion border deal was evaporating. Its support was collapsing. There'll be a vote this afternoon, and it will be the final death knell of that plan. And with nine months till the general election, there's nobody optimistic this thing comes back. Scott McFarland, congressional correspondent for CBS News. Uh, Scott, what does this mean for Speaker Johnson? Uh, you know, you, you look at how this, this caucus, or, uh, you know, what they're calling themselves now to me, uh, having been a, a state senator all those years, we called it a caucus. But what does what does this mean for the speaker? Because it gets pretty volatile. Didn't help that he had such a 
embarrassing moment last night, on top of the fact that he has cut deals with Democrats to keep the government open. The same type of thing that cost Kevin McCarthy the job in late 2023. There's going to be another one of those rubber-hits-the-road moments, March 1st and March 8th. Those are two more deadlines to keep the government open, keep the federal workers working, keep the lights on. If, once again, as may be necessarily true, he cuts a deal with Democrats, it's going to call more people, it's going to cause more people to say maybe he needs to go. How many people? I don't know. You don't need a whole lot of people to do so with the margins so slim in the U.S. House. I don't think it's a guarantee he gets through the year. Scott, you talk to all of them, not just the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world that are are so aggressive in their speech. And, you know, I can give my opinion on that. I don't want to involve you in it. But but the the, the moderates, the Republicans with common sense, how are they reacting to this? I think that's where the real frustration is. The provocateurs, those who are um, inclined to find cameras and make noise, they're always going to make noise. They're always going to find cameras. I think the true frustration is more latent. It's more understated. It's the people who've been around here for a while. I wouldn't call them moderates. I call them institutionalists because they, they, they cut many different political um, opinions. Some of them are remarkably conservative. Some of them are pragmatists. Some of them represent blue or purple districts and are moderate. But those who've been around here a while, no matter their you know political angle, they're frustrated because the place isn't fun- functioning as a proper institution. It's functioning as some type of some mix between the uh, the House of Commons in Great Britain and a dysfunctional PTA. There's hooting, there's hollering, there's screaming, there's a lack of demeanor. There's um, kind of a, a stirring moment every time there's a key vote. That's not what Congress is supposed to be about. And they can't agree on basic things, like a bad PTA. I mean, there's, there's disappointment, I think, among those who've been here a long time and know what this place could and should be. You know, is there any conversation in regards to the fact that it was the House that said any aid to Ukraine needed to be linked to border legislation? Now they blew up border legislation. Do you sense that they're going to move forward? Because lost in all of this yesterday was there was a bill uh, working its way through the House that, you know, singled out and, and gave all on itself aid to Israel. And that, that bill failed. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's the Senate Republicans who are now openly talking about, maybe we should just fund Ukraine and Israel and forget about the border security stuff since we can't get together on that. And yeah, there's frustration among people who say, you're the ones who are insisting we include the border with foreign aid. So yeah. This, I'm not sure it's going to be productive frustration, but it's going to be frustration. Um, I, I don't see any path forward with this narrow window between now and Election Day to anything on the border. This was the last chance. This was kind of the, the last train out of the station. I don't see anything else moving. And there is still, though dwindling, there's still a critical mass of people who say we need to fund Ukraine. They're going to have to find a way to do it pretty promptly. There are sufficient votes remaining to do it, but here's the trick. And there's really no way around this. The House Speaker still decides what goes on the floor and what doesn't, what gets a vote and what doesn't. And there's no guarantee he will put it on the floor because it's his party. Dozens of Republicans who don't support funding Ukraine in any context. And if he puts it on the floor, it certainly does put his job in jeopardy for the reasons we just described. Well, and then I need to back up a little bit on that because the the relationship that we have with NATO – uh, and with the perception of, of other countries, it, it leaves me 
in a place where you get concerned about national security as a whole if you don't keep your word, if you don't go about something like this. Is that talked about in the halls of Congress? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think at least among the members who are mindful of it, think about those who represent big military states, um, think of those who represent um, communities where there are service members or communities where there are Ukrainian refugees or those who serve on the committees of relevance. Let me give you an example. Tim Kaine of Virginia, whose name is familiar because he was Hillary Clinton's running mate in 2016. He represents Virginia, which is just chock full of military, including the Pentagon. And he says, if we don't fund Ukraine, if there's no plan forward, Ukraine loses the war because not only do they run out of bullets and munitions and money, Every other country is going to cut back if we cut back. NATO will step back. Other allies will step back if the U.S. isn't there. And what a remarkably powerful signal that sends to Vladimir Putin if the U.S. retreats Scott, through its congressional inaction. Scott, I know you're on the clock here, but one one last area, the, the congressional, the budget. That can was just kicked down the road. And it, I don't see any any sense or feeling that it's been worked on while we're getting into these partisan issues. I mean, where are they at when it comes to Congress and the budget? Let me just give you the, the, the 20-second version of this. They're going to hit the snooze button a bunch more times till the election. Um, they're still doing the work of 2023 right now, trying to fund the government for this year. And they have no bigger plan now than they had last year when they failed to come to a compromise. They'll keep pausing it, pausing it, pausing it until there's new people elected. Okay. Scott, thank you as always. You know, we see you on TV in about 10 minutes from now, I have no doubt, but you gave us some time today. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Scott McFarland, ladies and gentlemen, congressional correspondent for CBS News.